It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And today we're going to talk a little bit about University of Georgia tackle Andrew Thomas. And we're going to do that with somebody who knows Andrew Thomas very, very well. Recruiting analyst for Dogs 24-7 and CBS Sports, Rusty Mansell. Rusty, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it, man. Anytime I can talk some sports right now, man, I'll do it anywhere. Yeah, tell me about it. Anything for a distraction. I'm so glad that the NFL draft is actually going to proceed as planned because it's something that we've all been looking forward to. And I think at this point, it's something that we really need. And Andrew Thomas is a guy that has been on Jets fans' radars for a while. In fact, during the season, the joke was when the Jets were 1-7, and seven, do you prefer Chase Young or Andrew Thomas? I don't think they have any chance to Chase Young at this point, but maybe... Andrew Thomas could be there at number 11. And Rusty, this is a really interesting kid. For starters, he comes from really good athletic stock because he's got two uncles that are really good athletes. One of his uncles, Daryl Thomas, played basketball at Samford. The other uncle, Emmanuel Jackson, played at Stephen S. Austin. So this is a guy where it was in his genes to begin with. Yeah, I mean, I first, you know, I can take you back to uh, – I. Uh, co-own a company in Georgia and do football camps in Georgia, MVP camps. I've had Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Nick Chubb, Trevor Lawrence, you know, Deshaun Watson, all those guys have, you know, came through that camp that I, I do in Georgia every year and kind of never forget meeting Andrew Thomas the first time as a freshman um, offensive lineman at a Pace Academy. It was in the spring of his freshman year, so he'd already played one, you know, one high, one high school season at Pace Academy. Uh, in Atlanta and when you look at him the first time you know young kid baby face kid you know probably 6'4 probably 265 270 and got my attention there early had great feet was the first thing I remember Uh, two things I remember about Andrew was great feet and long arms and went on that you know his high school career I think he won the state championship his junior year at Pace Academy uh, they had a dominating team. By the way, Pace Academy, very, very high academic school. Uh, many people are familiar with Arthur Blank, who owns the Atlanta Falcons, uh, Home Depot uh, guy. And that's the school that he pumps his money into. Uh, that's the school his kids went to. Uh, it's a private school in a, in a very fluent area of Atlanta. And Andrew is a high academic, high character kid. So it was a great mix for him. And, uh, you know, it was a, just a dominating performance out of him, I would say, all the way up until his senior year. And I'll never forget something I learned with Andrew Thomas, and I've always maintained this, 
as I'm a part of the rankings committee or evaluations, I send my things into our, our executive council, but I'm kind of boots on the ground instead of Georgia for 24-7. I went to see Andrew play um, his senior year, probably about third or fourth game of the year. He was committed to Georgia. You know, we had him somewhere probably top 50 in the country at the time. And I'll never forget him playing both ways. And, man, he just just didn't look the same. You know, he just very sluggish and just kind of for, – for me with him, he was kind of average that night. And I remember calling Barton Simmons, who's our national director, and I said, man, Andrew Thomas did not look great. Uh, and, and they got upset in the playoffs. And, and what my point I'm getting to is kind of – he kind of was trending down a little bit his senior year. You know, I don't know if he got fat and happy. You know, he was committed to Georgia. Uh, they were defending state champs. That kind of deal his junior year. They got upset, like second round, big-time upset. But I'll tell you this. They got beat, I think, in mid-November of his senior year. And so you go from mid-November until the first week of January at the Army All-American Bowl where we had Andrew selected, and he came out there and played. I'll tell you this. When Andrew Thomas showed up out there, I I, I had kind of warned people. I said, this guy right here might not have a good week. You know, this guy may have been sitting around for six weeks. I don't know what he's going to do. I'll tell you this. When Andrew Thomas came out to San Antonio that year, he was as good as anybody out there. He was, he was fantastic. He was locked in. His head coach was Chris Slade, who was the number two pick in the draft, I think, in 1990 out of Virginia, defensive end, longtime NFL guy. Mm-hmm. Coach Slade was there. He told me that Andrew, the minute they got beat, he started getting him his body right, started preparing for this national event. And uh, he came in, and the first thing I remember, measuring his arms were like 36. It was the longest arms in the history of the Army All-American game. And And, and – Kind of the momentum from the first day carried on. He was great. They had some great battles, him and Chase Young in practice. Great battles. He was the only guy there that could block Chase Young. He was the only guy there. Walker Little, who will be a prospect next year out of Stanford, was there. Uh, Alex Leatherwood of Alabama, who will be another prospect, was there. But you look at Chase Young and Andrew Thomas and some of those battles they went in practice that day. You look back and you go, man, that's, that was two talented kids for sure after watching it. But Andrew Thomas is, is a special kid. He is a high academic kid, and I know this. He's got a switch that he flips, and when he gets to work and gets to business, he's just as good as anybody in his draft. There's no question, in my opinion, he will be a 10-year NFL guy, barring no injuries. No, he'll be no issues off the field. He'll be a team leader in the locker room. Wouldn't surprise me to see him be one of these you know, representatives for the Players Association. He is that type of smart uh, character young man he's certainly by no means anything remotely resembling the stereotype of a dumb jock because as you're talking about smart kid a lot of interests off of the field he's a musician which i think is really cool plays sure. drums and piano sure. and he yep. went to georgia like you said he committed to georgia but for a while it looked like notre dame was in the mix and not even necessarily because of football but it was because he loved their business school 
ultimately ended up deciding to stay closer to home and going to Georgia. But I just thought that was fascinating because here's a kid who, as you said, was a top recruit, could have gone to any of these great schools for football, but he wanted to go somewhere where he thought he could get a business education. And then also his interest in playing music factored into what he may have wanted to do in his college years. That's not something you hear commonly with prospects of his magnitude. He had, and listen, again, Pace Academy uh, is, is one of the most respected schools in the state of Georgia. It's a great school. And I remember sitting down with and, and another a guy that you know, you'll probably talk about next year. They had two five-star offensive linemen. One was in the 2017 class, who was Andrew Thomas. One was in the 2018 class, who was Jamari Salyer, who ironically will probably be taking Andrew's job at left tackle for Georgia this year. Uh, I remember going down, and both of those kids were involved with Notre Dame. Well, let me be careful how I phrase this. Let me just say this. When I go down and talk to them, the dean of Pace Academy was a Notre Dame graduate. So there was no question. They were hearing a lot of positive things about Notre Dame, and Notre Dame sells itself. Don't, Don't get me wrong, but there was never a shortage of those two guys hearing good things about Notre Dame. Uh, they were both very – and Andrew was very, very serious about Notre Dame, as you said. And Clemson was another school uh, that he was very interested in and almost uh, almost ended up at Clemson too. So, uh, listen, those battles for elite players like that, you don't get those easy. Um, Sam Pittman, who is now the head coach at Arkansas, came in that year. He got a kid out of Brooklyn, Isaiah Wilson. He beat Michigan head-to-head for him. And he gets a kid out of Atlanta. And, look, one of them's going to be a top, you know, a, probably a top 10, 12 pick in the NFL draft. And Isaiah Wilson, many people are saying, is going to be a second-round draft pick. So, uh, you know, in his first full cycle, Sam Pittman winds up getting an NFL first-rounder out of Atlanta and probably a second-rounder out of Brooklyn, New York, both six five, six seven kids. Uh, it was just – it was – In my world, covering these recruiting battles, these things go all the way down to the end. But I just cannot say enough about Andrew off the field. I spent some time with Andrew last July. We both worked a camp together in Rock Hill, South Carolina. He was one of the player representatives, along with Trevor Lawrence, along with DeAndre Swift, along with Derek Brown. All those kids I covered in high school, they were working the camp. I was working the camp. We all went to dinner that night. Uh, afterwards, and uh, I got a chance to sit down with Andrew a little bit and talk to him that night, and I knew right then Andrew was, you know, Andrew was going pro. There was no question. Uh, he was a three-year – he was going to be a three-year starter at Georgia, start every game. Um, you know, he's just a focused guy, and, and I just think that you're exactly right. They're going to start picking apart because at some point you got to separate these guys. If you're a top projected top 12 draft pick, you're a Ferrari. It's just what color of Ferrari you want. You want a red, green, yellow, whatever you want. Uh, they've got to start separating these guys. But I'll tell you this. You watch those two game takes against Alabama, and you watch how good Andrew Thomas played. And as those scouts dig into those things and they start interviewing Andrew Thomas, it will not shock me at all for him to end up when it's all said and done in that top ten somewhere. I guess it goes without saying then that his coaches and teammates love him, right? Loved him. Listen, he was Kirby Smart, the head coach at Georgia. Obviously, there's a huge um, uh, alumni base here, uh, and there's a there's a group of ticket 
uh, season ticket holders, and they're called the McGill Society. And those people give about 10 times what a normal person does just for seats. They give like 10 times a donation just for their seats. When Kirby Smart picked one player to go represent his team, to talk to them in their yearly meeting, he picked Andrew Thomas. Not once, but twice. So that tells you when you want that kid to be the face of your team, you want him to represent your team in front of the biggest money donors group there is, Kirby Smart put Andrew Thomas in front of him. That tells you a lot. And he's tenacious, too, because as you said, when he was in high school, he had that situation where you watched him, he didn't look great, and then he worked his butt off to get to the point where that wasn't going to happen again. When he got in as a freshman at Georgia, he was looked at mostly as a depth piece because he's a freshman and this is the SEC. And Rusty, I don't need to tell you this, but there's a big difference between what we're used to here in New York in terms of college football and the SEC. It kind of reminds me of that part of the movie A Few Good Men when they're talking about how the two guys that are on trial were given a code red by their commanding officer. And what that meant was they had to go and rough up one of the other people in their unit. And one of the other lawyers was saying, how could you do this? That's ridiculous. That's awful. And Tom Cruise's character said, listen, we're here in the Washington Navy Yard. It doesn't work that way at Guantanamo Bay. At Guantanamo Bay, if your commanding officer gives you an order, you follow that order. And that's the way it is. Because if you don't follow orders at Guantanamo Bay... You either pack your bags and get shipped out, or even worse, in some cases, somebody could die. Now, I'm not trying to equate playing football in the SEC to being in the Marines, but what I'm saying is the expectations are very different for people in New York who watch college football as opposed to people who live in SEC country and understand that culture because much like the Washington Navy Yard has very different standards than the standards at Guantanamo Bay, the standards in the SEC are incredibly high. So for a kid to come in as a true freshman and be able to start at tackle for an SEC team, especially a team that's as celebrated as the Georgia Bulldogs, that is an incredibly rare thing. And so the fact that Andrew Thomas was able to do that, I think, says a lot about him. Well, I'll tell you this. What I learned about Andrew Thomas and what I learned for future people is, listen, we got a guy that's 6'4", 300 pounds in high school, and he's playing both ways. He's not going to be good for very long. The kid was gassed. I mean, we're talking about fall in Georgia. It's still hot. And I just kind of learned when you get those big body guys, but I listened, when you get to that Army game, and I saw what he did against Chase Young and Jalen Phillips, who was the number one defensive end in the country, who nobody could block from the West, and I saw what Andrew Thomas could do, I knew right then, and Georgia had a question mark at tackle. They took Isaiah Wynn, who wound up being a first-round draft pick for the New England Patriots. They slide him to left tackle, and they had a spot open. And it didn't take but about two weeks into summer-fall camp in August for the buzz. And it's a lot different covering the NFL. You know, SEC is like the Pentagon, man. You can't go to practice. You get like three minutes. So you have to kind of use your sources. And it didn't take long for the buzz to get out about Andrew Thomas, what he was doing. And like you said, he took that starting right tackle position that year. He started 15 games. They won the SEC championship. They got beat on the last play of the game in the national championship. They won the Rose Bowl. 
He went through all of that started. Then he eased over to left tackle as a sophomore and took off even more, just so natural. And I'll tell you this, a lot of people questioned Jake Fromm. Did he make the right decision coming out or not? Jake Fromm never got touched. And the reason Jake Fromm never got touched is because his left side, his blind side, was protected by Andrew Thomas. And I don't care who you are. You lose that confidence behind you and know you got to play maybe another freshman tackle. Did Jake Fromm want to come back and risk, you know what, hey, I don't know. I'm going to be protected. I don't you know what's going on. But, but I know this. When Jake Fromm dropped back, and you go back and watch any game you want to, Andrew Thomas gave up very rare pressures, not sacks, pressures. Those long arms, man, I'm telling you, he, he is special, and he's going to be a very, very special player in the NFL. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. There are some people that believe that Andrew Thomas may actually be the fourth offensive tackle off the board. Now, we don't know for sure how this is going to play out, but some people believe that Jedrick Wills from Alabama, Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, and Mekhi Becton from Louisville could all go ahead of Andrew Thomas. Meanwhile, Rusty, as we know, throughout most of the college football season, Everybody was talking about Andrew Thomas as the number one offensive tackle, but once we get to the after-season breakdowns, 
people start to put out questions, they start to talk about upside, and all of a sudden it gets to a point where maybe Thomas doesn't end up being offensive tackle number one. Do you think this is an example of people just overthinking things and maybe looking a little too closely to find flaws that aren't necessarily there? Yeah, definitely. Now, listen, the, 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 all those guys are talented. This is this is one of those this is one of those classes that we'll look back and go. Remember that twenty twenty draft with Worth and and all those guys and Andrew Thomas and all those special tackles. I mean, it, it won't shock me at all if all four of them wind up being very very good and very long careers. And these these are ultra talented big men. I'll never forget uh, four years ago, I think. I did back-to-back years where I was basically consulting with an NFL team. And can't say which one, but I did some consulting with an NFL team, and they would ask me, they would fly me in, I would spend the day with them, and we would talk about prospects that were draft eligible from the state of Georgia, what type of person they were, what was their background, that type of thing. Me having relationships with all those kids, I would be able to have that information on a lot of them, not all. In return, the one thing I wanted to do was to spend time with a lead scout, and I wanted to see how they evaluated offensive line prospects. And I'll never forget the second year I did it, I sat in for about an hour with just a sharp, sharp individual. And he told me this, I'll never forget. The offensive line has changed so much because of what the game is now so much of a passing league. You want a guy that can mirror a defensive lineman. Not many times does he have to come off the ball and maul you. You want a guy that can stay in front of that defensive end three seconds, long enough for that quarterback to turn it loose. Uh, And I remember we watched the Texas A&M offensive line at the time. They had two first-round draft picks on that team um, at, at that time. And we watched those guys, and he said, this is what we're looking for. We watched like 50 plays. Those guys never really run blocked. They did, and they can, and Andrew Thomas and all these guys can't. What makes Andrew Thomas special is his length and his feet. It is so hard to get around him because of his length um, and those arms, man, extended on you. Once he engages you, very rarely are you going to see Andrew Thomas lose a battle. In fact, I, I really can't remember any. Uh, I used to just watch him on plays, and just he was just stone guys, just flat-out stone guys. Uh, he can second-level block. I mean, there's a reason that he's fixing to get millions and millions of dollars. They've got to separate these guys somehow, but I guarantee you, I guarantee you, somebody in the NFL, one of those boards, uh, and I read exactly what you're talking about, the majority of them have him number four. I guarantee you there's three or four teams that have him at least number two, and praying that they get a shot to draft Andrew Thomas. Let's talk a little bit more about his personality because we know he's a different kind of cat. He's a musician. He's somebody that's interested in business. As you said, he's a leader, great teammate, easily coachable. But what I want to know about is how he might potentially fit in New York because, first of all, the head coach, Adam Gase, is somebody who's notoriously difficult to deal with. And he's a guy that you can get in his doghouse very easily and very quickly, and boom, all of a sudden, you're 
persona non grata to him. We've seen it a couple of times here and then also when he was in Miami. And then obviously New York is a very, very different beast altogether. It doesn't mean that any other place is worse or better. It just means different because the heat is on every single second. This is a situation where, let's say Andrew Thomas were the 11th pick and he comes in here and he's struggling. He could be on the back page of a bunch of daily newspapers getting criticized. He could be the scorn of talk radio, all different television shows. Fans could be yelling obscenities at him. So it's a tough, tough deal to come in here and you have to make sure that you have the right mindset to handle it. Do you think that Andrew Thomas would be able to handle that if it came down to it? Sure. And Andrew Thomas is a uh, a type of Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart is a very demanding coach. Uh, I think all his players will tell you that. I mean, you watch him on the sidelines and he is very intense. He is, um, you know, he, he's got a lot of Nick Saban to me. Coach, coach with Nick Saban for nine years. I mean, he, he's not a guy over there bouncing around and hugging people. I mean, he is coaching. Um, Andrew Thomas, listen, Atlanta is not New York City. But it is a major uh, metropolitan area. That's mm-hmm. where he grew up. That's where he went to high school. Uh, he's been in those situations. I know the media and the attention in New York is on another level. We're not talking about a kid that played in Nebraska or talking about a kid that played at Kansas or talking about a kid that played at Mississippi State, you know, in the middle of nowhere. This, this young man grew up in a city. Uh, I think he's been around that. I think he's played for a demanding coach. So I just think that, uh, you know, I, don't, I could see no concerns with him going there. I think he'd be able to handle that. His mom and dad are very much in the picture with him, um, very close with his family. Just just a, a special, special kid. And, uh, you know, I would love to sit down. Again, not saying anything against the other players because I know those guys. I know they're very good players. I watched the combine. I mean, those guys are hard to find, man. Those guys are hard to find that can do what they're doing. Um, I would like to see how they're separating, what they see, the differences there. But, uh, but, but Andrew Thomas, I know a ton about. Uh, Nick Chubb was another kid that I knew a ton about. Uh, I've covered Trevor Lawrence since he was in the eighth grade. I know a ton on him, uh, who they are. And all these players like that have that switch. And that's the switch of success and to get it done um, and, and, and just be a good person, not going to cause an issue. So uh, I just think whoever gets Andrew Thomas, man, is just getting getting – they're getting their questions answered at that position. I was going to ask you where you think he would be the best fit in terms of potential landing spots, but it sounds like you don't think it would matter that he would succeed anywhere. Yeah, I mean, he's that type of kid. And I, and I'll be honest, I've never asked him. I've never asked him. But, he, you know, it takes a special type of kid to say, hey, I, you know, I, I want to go to New York. I want to be in that environment, that kind of, you know, I know Jordan Jenkins. I know Jordan Jenkins mm-hmm. well. Jordan Jenkins is a country kid. I mean, he lives in the middle of nowhere in Georgia. He lives in a middle, in a town where it, it, there's very few red lights. It always kind of amazes me that you know he's in he's in New York and you know playing for the Jets and, and surviving because he's such a country kid. Andrew Thomas, the exact opposite, and they're both great kids. Very very similar in academics is a big deal to both of them. And Jordan Jenkins was another one who was an engineer major at Georgia, so. It uh, doesn't surprise me, but I'm just saying two totally different people. I think I think Andrew Thomas could fit in anywhere, but I think if the Jets wind up with him, he would be ecstatic to go play in a place like that. Rusty, just out of curiosity, only because you brought up Isaiah Wilson earlier, 
What would you think of the possibility of a team drafting both Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson? You think that could work out for them? I mean, they're both, you know, yeah, it'd be a great situation because here's two guys that know each other. Here's two guys that played together. Here's two guys that worked out together. They spent all this time together. Um, I think Isaiah Wilson has a lot more ceiling to him. The first time I saw Isaiah Wilson was the summer before his senior season. This kid's from Brooklyn now. So I'm seeing him in June in, in Athens work out. And this kid was probably 6'7", 6'6", probably 380. And I remember him doing drills one morning, and it was a typical Georgia summer morning. I'm talking humidity was thick as a jungle morning. And I remember looking at somebody standing beside me and said, this kid will never make it. This kid's going to pass out. He's not going to finish this workout. And he barely finished the workout. And I told, I told somebody, I said, that kid will never end up in Georgia. He is, he's getting the hell out of here quick as he can. And when it got down to Georgia and Michigan, I thought, I kept thinking just how miserable he looked. But when you look at him and what he has done to his body since then, he looks like a totally different human being. The best thing that happened to him was coming to Georgia, uh, getting here. Uh, he redshirted. He needed a he needed a year. Andrew Thomas was ready. Isaiah Wilson had to change his body, and I think he got to about three thirty. Uh, he's carrying three fifty now. The dude looks three hundred pounds. And you see, Isaiah Wilson. In fact, the the last Alabama Georgia matchup two years ago in the SEC championship, uh, I was very fortunate to stand on the sideline. I stood beside Champ Bailey and his brother the entire time, and I remember there was a timeout right between right 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 in front of us and they were standing on the, the sideline where we were and I remember Champ Betty looking at me and he goes who is 71 and who is 79 and I said man that is that's Andrew Thomas and that's Isaiah Wilson he goes we had nobody that looked like those guys over here we had nobody he goes those were NFL guys I'll never forget him saying that uh you know which was big words for somebody like Champ Bailey Getting Isaiah Wilson and Andrew Thomas could be an interesting move for the New York Jets or any team because both of those guys look like they are primed to be pretty good pros. And I think that with the Jets needing as many good offensive linemen as they can to protect Sam Darnold, that should certainly be on their radar. Andrew Thomas, if he's available at 11, and perhaps Isaiah Wilson at 48, or even if he slips into the third round, because who wouldn't love a guy who's 350 pounds is from Brooklyn and has SpongeBob SquarePants hey. on his backpack, right? <laughs> what, what, a story, what a story that would be for him to cut. What a story and a, and a reward for him to, to do what he had to do, which is not easy as an 18-year-old kid from Brooklyn to go to Athens, Georgia, which is a great college town, but it is not even remotely anything like Brooklyn, New York, to come here to spend four years of your life and, and, and be away from home for a long time because these college athletes down here stay year-round. What a story that would be for him to get to go home and play in front of all his teammates, former teammates, family, friends. That would be a great story. I'll tell you this, I hadn't really thought about that, to be honest with you. The Jets pull that off, and you want to talk about some adding some length to your offensive line, those two guys, whew. That, that would that would be big news, in my opinion, for the Jets. Rusty, you sold me. Let's make it happen. Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson. Come on, Joe Douglas. Get it done. 
Rusty Mansell, recruiting analyst for Dogs 24-7 and CBS Sports. Thanks so much for coming on. Really loved your insight on not only Andrew Thomas, but Isaiah Wilson as well. For those that aren't familiar with your work and want to get more acquainted, check out what you're doing. Why don't you go ahead and let them know how they can do that. Uh, best place to get me is on Twitter, and that's uh, at Mansell, M-A-N-S-E-L-L, 247. Um, there a lot, and uh, do a lot of stuff on there, and obviously on 24-7 Sports, uh, on the Georgia page, uh, in control of that, and really uh, just, just helping with the state of Georgia, because there's so many good prospects. I'm kind of the boots on the ground here in the state, and, um, you know, it's a great place to Cover high school football is a great place to cover college football. That's for sure, right? We're right in the middle of that 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 part of the country. Go ahead and follow Rusty on Twitter and check out his work at 24-7 Sports. If you haven't had an opportunity yet to give us a five-star review on iTunes, really appreciate it if you could do that for us. It's an easy way to help out the show. If you like what we're doing, it doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time, but it helps out a lot. So if you could do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.